Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to Home Green Homes podcast. I am Izumi Tanaka. I am a green realtor and lead green associate in Los Angeles, and I am the host of this show. I am so uh, honored today to have our guest, uh, Miriam Mojidehi. From she is one of the two principal architects from MAAM, a woman-owned full-service architecture and design firm, and MAAM. A M A A M does everything oh, from planning. Desi- <laughs> okay, mom. Okay, mom. Uh, does everything from planning, designing, and permitting to overseeing construction and selecting furnishings. With 25 years of experience between Meredith and Miriam, they are forward-thinking, approachable architects who delight in materials, layering, narratives, and elementals. They believe that good design is rooted in sustainability and resilience. Taking a pragmatic approach, they look for opportunities to incorporate sustainability into their work. Much of this might be in systems that you cannot see, such as insulation, water treatment, etc., as well as finishes. Their work aspires to not only be less bad, but to actually improve our environment through the implementation of carbon sequestering materials, net positive water, and energy systems. Thank you so much, Miriam, today for joining me. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I'm really excited as well. Yeah, thank you. So um, since I... Since we met, well, we we met in pandemics, but it's been a few months, and things mm-hmm. are just kind of rapidly unfolding, and it's really hard to keep up with what's going on. But you know, I think what we are what we are talking about is still very appropriate or relevant to to the to the world we live in today. So I like to really touch on some of the. Um, principles that you you and Meredith, your partner, um, Mm -hmm. really embrace. So, um, and I I have had a few architects on my podcast, but I haven't really talked about this idea of less bad or improving the environment. You know, it's been mostly about keeping it, you know, don't make it worse type of approach. So let's discuss this. Yeah, so sustainable, the idea of sustainable is really not enough for the current environmental condition, like especially today as we speak, Mm -hmm. we have fires burning all over our state, and we need to really look more into the restorative designs. So can you you tell me about the idea of less bad, less uh, harmful? Right, right. So um, the sort of expression less bad, um, that's originally attributed to the architect William McDonough, who wrote a book called Cradle to Cradle. And in the yes. book, he uh-huh. suggests, um, are you familiar with it? Yes. Uh-huh. 
Right. So he suggests sort of this approach to materials and manufacturing that considers a more cyclical view as opposed to the linear mm-hmm. process of extraction, manufacture, use, and disposal. And um, mm-hmm. it sort of reframes your mindset to look for opportunities to use the waste of one system to become the fuel for the next. So it's sort of a cycle or a loop. And, you know, this right. way of thinking, it, it's sort of um, – most biological systems that have been around for millions of years operate on this premise, mm-hmm. but um, it's a radical departure for traditional industrial manufacturing, right? So that's sort of yeah. predicated on the notion that, you know, we, at best, we're sort of targeting, we're minimizing our impact or we're recycling post-consumer waste, so we're just using less bad things. So it's sort of mm-hmm. a very new and very old way of thinking all at once. And I think it's mm-hmm. this idea that we need to understand that waste and pollution, they're not inevitable, but they're the result of poor design decisions. So um, yeah. that's sort of where we're trying to come from. And that, you know, it, it's sort of uh, maybe radically rethinking our premise. Um, and so, like you're saying, given where we are in the world right now with this pandemic, the fires, like these are all mm-hmm. interrelated. And we no longer right. have the luxury of sort of thinking of these as, as though it would be nice to do this if we could. These are like morally imperative decisions that, mm-hmm. you know, as individuals and collective society, we really need to be grappling with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really agree. It's such a paradox that, you know, like you said, it's an old idea, yet it's radically mm-hmm. new in the industrial sense. You know, it, it's like I I watch the nature like I, I'm currently living in the uh, national forest, actually, and I watched the tree that's been around for hundreds of years now fallen, and now it's slowly decaying and you know going back to the nature, and it's just the and mm-hmm. it's it's the it's the nature itself. Yet our human civilization have come so far away from you know mm-hmm. uh, that idea of cradle to cradle or recycling, you know. So mm-hmm. so um what are the how do you integrate this concept in your work, your your designing and you are you know, you you and Meredith both design uh living environment, the built space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And tell tell me how you are integrating that. Um so I guess we're sort of looking for both clients and contractors to sort of help us advance mm-hmm. this to are sort of on the same page with us. Um, we try to privilege a lot of uh, materials that have certain properties that actually, again, go back to this idea of doing, um, actually doing good. So this idea of carbon sequestering materials or net positive mm-hmm. or net uh, water energy goals. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, and every project's different, but we we do the best we can. <laughs> yeah. So what are what are actually carbon sequestering materials, for instance? Um, so that carbon we sequestering materials. In... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that actually remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, and they c- capture mm-hmm. them from the atmospheric state, and then store it as either liquid or solid. And the reason mm-hmm. we care about this so much right now is that. Um, carbon dioxide reduction alone is insufficient to meet our um, global warming goals, our targets, right? Mm -hmm. So we may have to actually Mm -hmm. work to remove carbon from the atmosphere. 
Um, I guess a good example of a carbon sequestering material is the tree, right? Um, a typical mm-hmm. tree can absorb about 50 pounds of carbon per year. So over the course of a tree oh, wow. lifetime, that's a considerable amount. Mm-hmm. And so um, in building materials, there's sort of a whole array. There's the very traditional materials and techniques that we can resurrect to help sequester carbon, as well as a lot of innovations and in technology um, that can also help. So uh, a big one that we like to look at is insulation in building materials. So mm. things like hempcrete, straw bale, or cellulose insulation are great examples mm. because um, mm-hmm. you can really easily swap those out. Uh, they're almost cost neutral. They don't really have any um, design or aesthetic implications. And all of a sudden you can take a commonplace material like spray foam or expanded polystyrene insulation. Right. And those are right. both very carbon intense. And then you almost flip mm-hmm. the graph. So you go from something that's super carbon intense to something that's actually positive and actually helping mm-hmm. the environment. Um, you mm-hmm. compare that then with like timber, which is, you know, whether it's mass timber construction or responsibly sourced wood framing. And all of a sudden you can turn mm-hmm. a home into a, like a mini mm-hmm. carbon sink. So um, yeah, it's really magical to think about. And then like that's sort of like all low tech ideas. Then you could go up to like concrete, you know, companies like Blue Planet or Carbon Cure, mm-hmm. and they're doing really mm-hmm. exciting, innovative work. So they're able to introduce um, CO2 into their mix. So then again, you're embodying that carbon and putting it into a material. Um, so then you right. can start to imagine that our buildings are actually, you know, right now we're one of the you know, worst industries in terms of carbon footprints, the building industry, we right. could actually do yeah. a negative, be uh, a positive. Yeah. So that's, that's our yeah. dream. <laughs> that, yeah, that's an then, exciting concept. So, yes, please. Uh-huh. Oh, and then I guess, you know, we, that's sort of a big push we have in terms of materials at our level right now. But mm-hmm. then we also are big advocates for water conservation and thinking mm-hmm. about water pro- mm-hmm. portfolios. So like gray water, mm-hmm. black water, even composting toilets, which are amazing right. in terms of saving right, water. Right. And mm-hmm. then energy, you know, we live in California. Solar is, you know, just almost inexcusable not to go solar. <laughs> right, then, that's so true. Passive design, so daylighting and natural ventilation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are really mm-hmm. often put aside. They're so easy to implement. And they have right, great right. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, so daylighting, natural ventilation, that sort of thing sounds more uh, less intimidating, you know what I mean? But <laughs> like, so 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 the carbon sequestered materials such as you know you mentioned insulation for a hempcrete mm-hmm. and things like that. So how available are they or how um how accessible are they? I mean, do you really uh, I mean is it only people like yourself who would seek to install these materials or, um, I mean, how accessible? I think that's what I run into in terms of talking mm-hmm. to the builders, the developers, you know, anybody who's building, you know, um, they talk about, you know, if I talk about green material, I mean, they they kind of like, huh? You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know about them. So, how um, how accessible are they? I mean, is it 
is it still kind of a mysterious type of product, do you think? I mean, that's a great question. And I think that the, there isn't really a, a simple yes or no answer. I think it depends on the product and the contractor, the right. project. There are a lot of variables. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the, mm-hmm. the building industry, they're really doing a good job of, of improving their products. And I think it's our responsibility mm-hmm. as architects specifying mm-hmm. products as well as contractors Mm -hmm. to sort of work with them. So, like, um, even, like, something like drywall, you know, USG has come up Mm -hmm. with a great alternative that is on the same price Mm -hmm. point as conventional, right? So you could go for an eco-level product, Mm -hmm. same price Mm -hmm. point, and it's the same way Mm -hmm. of installing. um, You know, that's an easy swap. Things like straw bill, Mm -hmm. um, that I think you need to find – you know, somebody who's like-minded in terms of a, a contractor to work right. with you. And as right. well, it depends on where you're building. So there are um, yeah. some code implications to that. Um, but I think right. you know, we're lucky to live in a, a state where you know, fairly progressive-minded legislation that helps support a lot of these initiatives. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, you kind of touched upon my next question, though, that um, – um, what is what is your as an architect and and you do, I know that you do mo- uh, both residential and institutional uh, mm-hmm. buildings and in, from where you stand as an architect, what is your um, observation in terms of the trend? Do you think that the homeowners and builders are becoming more more informed about these green elements in their in their designs, how open and how um, I don't know what how how um, familiar are they or how interested are they mm-hmm. to some of these you know materials from where you stand. So I would really love to say that that the homeowners, the builders, everyone's more informed and they're on board. Uh, regretfully, mm-hmm. that hasn't been our experience to date. I mean, every project is different, mm-hmm. but we found that mm-hmm. you know, if there's a significant cost associated with the sort of green option, um, which mm-hmm. usually it isn't, but it's more this perception, um, or if the yeah. contractor is unfamiliar with the material or a technique, right. you know, they'll, they'll push right. to get it DE'd or substituted. Um, but, you know, we, yeah. we always do our best to work with both our clients and our GCs to educate ourselves um, Mm-hmm. To understand the, the sort of what's at stake, you know, both long term um, for the, the individual projects, for the house, and also, you know, for our, our civilization, our humanity. Um, and we found yeah. that we help people understand what's at stake, especially from a health perspective, we have more buy in. Because um, if you say to a contractor, like, hey, you're installing and demolishing these products day in, day out. And, you know, when right. you do this, this is what's getting into your lungs. And if we can say, like, hey, we can find options that don't have, that's not going to endanger your life, your family's life. Right. And so why would you right. use a VOC paint or a PVC pipe? Right. Like, we can easily swap right. this out. And once we help them understand that this is for their own good, for all of their subs, for everybody, they start to get more invested, and it becomes yeah. sort of a win-win situation. So that's sort of how we try to to address the issue. Uh, and then from the client mm-hmm. end, it's sort of a similar argument and we explain, especially to a lot of young families that we work with, that a lot of these materials that are in our homes, 
they're unregulated, right? And they creep in, and at first, right. it seems like, oh, it's a small quantity, it's 2%, it's not going to matter. But it starts to aggregate. So if you have, you know, all this furniture in your house that has formaldehyde, over time, that's going yeah. to start to bioaccumulate in your body, and that can get mm-hmm. passed on mm-hmm. to your children. Or if you have mm-hmm. kids already, they're right. crawling around on the floor. They're literally yep. inhaling this, like, you know, less than an inch from their face. You know, this means mm-hmm. something. Yeah. And so once yep. you sort of frame it in that very personal way, we have a bit more success. Um, right. But I guess, you know, zooming out a little bit, it's really interesting to us how, you know, the world of residential design how trends and taste and aspirations sort of come and go. Like we have this mm-hmm. consumer visual culture that we just keep feeding, right? We have this like monster of right. Pinterest and Instagram and even yeah. like HGTV. <laughs> and we have all these yeah. sort of like, you know, nice homeowners. I'm sure you have clients like this that they, they recycle, they probably have a Tesla. You know, they, they, they think they're doing good, but then it's hard to yeah. reconcile that sort of consumerism with, what's really at stake in terms of like, oh, well, you're okay with that, but at the same time, in the same breath, are okay with us importing some engineering stone from across the world, you know, because Mm -hmm. it's $100 cheaper. So yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, where we're in this crisis, we really need to radically reconsider what home means, what's beautiful, Mm -hmm. right, And, and what's healthy. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, the thing is with the, with the sustainability or, you know, what we consider green materials, a Mm -hmm. lot of them, as as you mentioned earlier, they're, they're not visible. You know, those are the installations Mm -hmm. that you don't see once the house is built and the paint that, you know, you don't, you can't tell the difference between the VOC Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. non-VOC paint once it's painted. So what do you tell your clients about you know, how, like, when you are talking to your clients in the design state, how do you, I mean, other than, like, what you what you just mentioned of, you know, to to tell them the benefit of or uh, uh, the actually the hazard of, you know, having children crawling on the floor where there's formaldehyde floating around that's invisible, I mean, I think for both of us, our job is to really educate the, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. homeowners and the builders, right? And and mm-hmm. how do you do that? I mean, how have you been tackling this this uh, this uh, challenge? You know, other than when you have a client who's actually considering a building, and I mean, mm-hmm. do you see any? Um, Channel that we can we can utilize to educate uh, the general population. <laughs> I think, That's a big you know, question. It's just a matter of yeah, it is, and it's something we we grapple with constantly because you know to build a new home to renovate these are big endeavors and it's a costly proposition and we understand a lot of our clients. Mm-hmm. You know, they come to it with a lot of anxiety and concern, and money and budgets do matter. We understand that. But I think mm-hmm. that we just, mm-hmm. you know, we try to be persistent. We try to be optimistic and hopeful. I think that, mm-hmm. unfortunately, mm-hmm. a lot of this discourse about environmentalism, climate change, it's really hard to be optimistic and hopeful. And every day, unfortunately, mm-hmm. it gets harder. 
But I think that, yeah. you know, we do the best that we can and, and, you know, we just sort of say, well, with each project, you know, we might not get everything that we want um, on mm-hmm. both ends and we just look at it as compromise and, and hopefully with the yeah. next project, either the contractor knows more, the market has improved, you know, something's mm-hmm. always changing. So I, I wish we had some magic formula that made uh, I you know. know. Everything <laughs> cost neutral. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's so true. So what is your uh, dream project as a company mom with you and Meredith, or what mm-hmm. is your vision for for your firm, if you have so, one? So, um, ma'am, I guess Meredith and I as ma'am, we, um, we as I think all of us collectively dream about traveling a lot these days. So I think our dream project right now would be somewhere we'd want to visit, so something like a off-grid mm-hmm. eco-village in Tulum or Costa Rica mm-hmm. could be nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, joking aside, I think something that really puts the stakes high on this idea of, of living yeah. off-grid. So like this idea of right. the infrastructure being integrated into a project is very attractive to us. Um, mm-hmm. And then our company mm-hmm. vision, you know, we are, um, we'll be two years old in October, so we're pretty new, even though we have a lot oh. of experience. We're, we're green and gray mm-hmm. all at once. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. we both love stories and, and our daily rituals. So I think we love turning those sort of stories into space, uh, spaces mm-hmm. that are well-designed and as well they're um, the beneficial for the environment. So our vision is sure. working in this manner with clients who are intentional and then, you know, we work together to have a positive impact on the environment. <laughs> Mm, yes, I like that. I, I mean, definitely that's, that's part of my vision in terms of, you know, living in that kind of environment where I know that I'm not hurting or harming mm-hmm. my earth and I can leave it in a better condition for our kids or grandkids and, you know, all the, mm-hmm. all the, everybody else that comes later. Um, just curiosity, I, um, how did you and uh, Meredith decide to partner up? And because you guys were both working with some uh, established firms. So how, what prompted you to, to do this together? Just curious. Um, that was a good question. I think that for both of us, um, we just felt like it was time as, as women uh, in our field, mm. as mothers, to sort of step up and, and create something that was really our own. I think we, we both love mm-hmm. collaborating and working with people. That's why we formed a partnership, mm-hmm. but we just found um, mm-hmm. at many of the established firms we work with, mm-hmm. there's the glass ceiling, there's this, there's that, and um, yeah, it's just time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I think you you guys had you know this was a great idea for you guys to to get together and create this firm. I I really I really um, support you as a woman and for what you guys are doing. And I really really uh, hope that we will be able to do something together in the future. Definitely, um, definitely. Yeah, so how can people find you and or contact you? Um, well, the, on the Internet, our, our website uh, is mem-made.com. So, ma'am, like, yes, ma'am. Okay. <laughs> and then our uh-huh. Instagram handle is 
man dash made, so man made, like man made. Oh, okay. I'm winking okay. right now. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's where we and they can people can contact you from there. Yeah, we so have that's just so a great. contact us from. So yeah, yeah, that would be oh, great. Cool. Okay, okay, great. Well, thank you so much for um, for your time and all your incredible insight. I am so. I am so happy that we finally got to do this. We've been talking about this for yeah, some time. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been great. <laughs> yes, thank you. Again, this thank was you. Home Green Homes Podcast. Thank you. And I am Izumi Tanaka, a green realtor, and you can find me at homegreenhomes.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time. Thank you, Miriam. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.